0: When we're out here, we're all searching for the same thing, and you better be prepared for it.
1: As I make my way to the top of the rock, it has the date. It's actually chiseled into the stone. Of course, it's reflecting the date of the incident. And it says, obviously, the names of the children.
0: Catherine, Susie, Tina, Betsy, are you here? It was a blip. Was that you? Did you die here? Here we are, EVP session. We are at Crow's Rock. If there is anybody here that would like to talk to us, now is your time. So is there anybody here with us?
1: Is there a man here with us? What we're currently doing is listening carefully to the replay of the tapes. The team is looking for any type of fluctuation or change or alternative sound while they're recording on the devices.
0: I don't know what he says or what's being said there, but there's definitely a clear undertone of something. That's not one of us speaking to each other. So what happens here is is we're going to listen. Is there anybody here that would like to speak to us? If there is anybody here, can you speak into this device? Can you tell me what your you name is? Can you tell me what your name is? Is there anybody here that would like to speak to us? Is there
2: anybody, anybody here that here would like to speak to us? Speak this podcast is made possible by the Social Voice Project.
1: Tony LaVorna's Legends and Lore podcast explores the history and tales of ghost stories, mysterious crimes, murders, UFOs, witchcraft, and other occult happenings, still thriving in the greater Ohio Valley region of Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, and beyond. Today, I'm out in beautiful old Greene County. And we're going to be talking to a very highly-skilled set of paranormal investigators. Outsider paranormal. To my left sits a beautiful Wheeling Creek. Long ago, long ago, in 1791 in fact, there was a very unique and horrific event that happened where we stand. But before I get into the story, I would like to tell you a little bit about this valley. In 1791, it was pretty much a battlefield between the colonists and the Native American Indian. Down the road over my left shoulder was the Crow family, who had wonderful young children that often traveled this road long ago. The Crow family would come from their property, walking along this road, by where the Wheeling Creek Forks, going on their way sometimes to visit other families in the area, and as well, I'm sure, to pick supplies from the local fort, which was located in Prosperity, Pennsylvania. Without any further delay, I'm going to allow these paranormal investigators to tell you the tale of these children and how they were attacked on May 1st, 1791. Ladies and gentlemen, with me is Damon Keith. How are you, Damon? I'm doing great, Tony. How are you? Fantastic. Also with me is Fred Tennant. Hi, Tony. How are you today, sir? Fantastic. Thanks for coming out and sneaking around the back. Who we got here, Mark Milligan. Hi, guys. How are you? Good, today, Tony. Mark? Good. Fantastic. Damon, for our listeners at home and across the world, can you begin to tell us a little bit about the events that led up to the attack on May 1st? 1791, an event that would become known as the Crow's Rock Massacre. Now, shortly, we are going to go up the hill and take a look at the rock itself, which once sat just maybe 15 feet here in the Pennsylvania wooded hillside. Go ahead, Damon, tell us the story, please.
0: Well, the story goes a little something like this. As you see, the Crow sisters and their brother Michael, the four sisters and Michael, were visiting a sick, it's often said to be a family friend or a relative, and they were visiting the relative down the Wheeling Creek. And they weren't doing well, so they were going in to check on them. And as children do, they were coming home. On the path towards Wheeling Creek and as they were on their way home the girls began to tarry and they were kind of playing around a little bit and their brother Michael decided that he was going to go ahead he wanted to get home and so as many times they had done before Michael went on ahead not thinking anything of it but unbeknownst to them there were a group hiding behind the rock which is now known as Crows Rock and it was comprised of a group of what is known to be a few Indian men And a man by the name of William Spicer, who was a rogue white man who was Actually abducted in the Spicer Massacre, which happened about 30 minutes away from this location, years prior.
1: Now, if I understand and I remember the folklore correctly, this tale and these um, girls—they were very young. I believe between 10 and 16 years of age. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Uh, the fact of the matter was is that none of these, none of these children, even including the brother, nobody was over the age of 16 when this happened. Um, it was a very sad and tragic situation. You think back at this time, this was a time period where you could. Just turn your children loose and let them go visit somebody, and you didn't have to worry about things like we worry about today. But it was a sad situation, and not many people knew what was to come so. As they were tarrying, like I said, unbeknownst to them, this group had sit and lied and wait to watch them. And uh, they wanted to gather intel. That was the purpose of why they were waiting for them. They wanted to gather intel on what was happening in the area with the settlement, with the colonists, as you mentioned before about the bigger settlement and prosperity. They wanted to find out what everything was about. They wanted to find out what they were doing. And so, as they were riding along, Michael had went ahead they were coming around the bend. As they came around the bend, they were ambushed. They were taken, They were taken, basically if you want to say captive for lack of better terms, and that's when the massacre began. They tried to gather intel from the girls. There was a situation, there was a struggle ensued.
1: You said something that I find interesting. You said that they were gathering some type of intelligence or information from them. In what purpose would these young girls have any information? What type of information?
0: Well, it was information about the the settlement and the colonists themselves. Because we were in the peak of the French and Indian War. They were trying to gather information, thinking that these girls would have information about numbers and men and the type of artillery that they had. Unbeknownst to them, these girls are just their children. They really wouldn't have a concept on that. But into these to these gentlemen, these these savages that committed this act, they had no idea what would they have known? That's that's where this really becomes a tragedy in and of itself. You're attacking the wrong person, so to speak. Not that there was a right to do it at all.
1: No. Again, with this tale, that isn't the only family members of the Crow that perished that day because of the Native American uh, Indians once they attacked. Uh, also, I believe you told me earlier, uh, there were brothers that also belonged to the family, and they made some pretty grisly fates as well. Why don't you tell our listeners about that?
0: Yes. uh, Throughout the whole course of this, you know, you look at the situation. The girls were attacked. Michael had retrieved. He tried to come back. The brother who went ahead, he tried to come back and save them. And it is reported in more than one instance that he also was He was killed. He was murdered in this situation and there is documentation to provide that there was other murders related to this going forward into the next few days and actually as time went on they uh, did find the one girl. I believe it was Susie if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that but I'm pretty sure it was Susie. She was found the next day because they went on a search party to find where their children were and they found her. She had been scalped but she was still alive. She played dead. And um, a lot of our accounts from what happened come from Susie and they were at moments of lucidity so we don't have a true depiction other than what we've gotten from Susie and the very very close people to the family that were around the situation but over time we have tried to piece together what has truly happened here
1: most hideous indeed well what I would like ladies and gentlemen is to actually take you to the site where the rock sits still to this very day now I brought the team with me here not just to talk about the past, but events that still occur here today. Because you see, some claim that the ghosts of either these poor unfortunate souls or perhaps other ghosts unrelated to this event still roam this hillside. So as I walk along, the path that has been worn here by many visitors to the site, I look around me at some of the old trees, locust, and I can't help but to lament on the tragedy that took place. These children attacked, frightened, scalped, in some cases tortured and then murdered, and yet one girl, one brave girl, alone, strong enough to fight to fight and smart enough to flee. Imagine this, listeners. You're running up the hillside, someone chasing you with the intent fully of scalping you alive and then killing you by the tomahawk. As she cuts through the trees and makes it to the top, all of a sudden, she feels the wind blow by her hair. You see, what it was was the volley from his gun, which he fired until she makes it to the top of the clearing, she too hiding, trembling, realizing that her sister's lives have been taken from them. So as she hides and trembles, looking to the right, realizing her home, her safety, just maybe perhaps not even 500 feet to a couple of yards, she fights again for her life and escapes. We're now going to join our paranormal investigators for today, the outsider paranormal team. We've now come up to the top of the crest of the plateau. To the left of me sits a monument. It states Crow Rock Massacre, May 1st, 1791. Four of the Crow sisters walking to the adjacent farm were attacked by Indians and a renegade. This rock reportedly served as a hiding place for the attackers Only one sister survived. Now I'm going to walk over here, and we're going to engage our paranormal team to see if we have any new readings for today. Now, the team has been out here many times. They have experienced many different events, and we're going to talk about those events in just a moment. Damon, why don't you, Fred and Mark... Tell us a little bit about some of the past things that you experienced here. Because I see, as always, you fellas bring an array of equipment that you like to utilize. So tell our listeners a little bit about that equipment. You can each take a turn on your specialties and what you do.
0: Well, first thing is foremost is, as I will tell anybody who's interested in paranormal investigating, your best pieces of equipment are your eyes and your ears. But with that being said, there are some things that our eyes and our ears miss. So with that being said... One key piece of equipment that I is a must have if I can't have anything else is a digital recorder. A lot of people call them EVP recorders. What that stands for is electronic voice phenomena. What that can mean is that we not, might not be able to hear it with our naked ear, but these have a chance of picking them up. Like I said, they record disembodied voices essentially, voices that aren't here, but we can hear them. Like we tell a lot of, uh, on investigations, we tell spirits entities that if you speak into these little microphones that we might have a chance to hear you. We may not be able to hear you with our ears ourselves, but these might give you a chance. But like I said, this is a key piece of equipment and this is something that we, you know, y- you got to have it. I mean, it's just something, it's a simple digital recorder. It's nothing fancy. I mean, there are fancier versions, but I believe that simplicity is best and this is what we use and they've helped us out here many 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 times
1: now as we arrived at the location ladies and gentlemen it was approximately a little after four in the afternoon i'm going to turn this over for a moment to fred he had bo- two devices actually that were giving uh, readings uh, as we pulled up why don't you tell us a little bit about that fred
3: well tony what we got here uh, we got a k2 meter or an emf meter um it, le- it measures electro- electronic magnetic field and uh, then, of course, the other device here, it's a milligoss meter, and then it measures in a milligoss. And out here where we're at, as you can see, there is no electricity. And uh, these are pretty much designed to pick up any electrical interference that's in the air or could be around you. You know, contractors use this in your inner homes to find a bad electrical outlets in your home. But out here where we're at, there's no electrical outlets out here. So of course, if you get a response on a piece of equipment out here where there's no electrical interference, then you have something, you know.
1: In most cases, it probably one, maybe the other would go off, but I think uh, you had something a little different happen. What happened there?
3: Uh, we actually had them both going off at the pretty much at the same time, and um seems to happen every time we come here. We've been here a couple times, and uh, probably one of my best pieces of equipment that I like to use, of course, is the K2 meter because it's really, really hard to get it to go into the red. And, of course, this thing was just pulsating. And, uh, of course, and then after that, I also have another piece of equipment I like to break out, which is it's a spirit box. And pretty much what it is, it's just a radio scanner, just like you have in your car. scans your radio stations, but it does it really fast. And in order for a spirit to actually speak through it, it's going to have to use more than one station. And, of course, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the tech guy, me and me and my colleague Mark here. Okay. And, uh, like, I'll put it on my computer and run it to an autisticity program and... I can actually see the radio stations and then I'll actually be able to see the voice come across and I can actually tell you how many radio stations the voice had to use to go across. And, you know, that's part of the investigating that I like to do because I'm actually getting solid data and getting solid proof. You know, so if somebody was to call you bluff, hey, I got proof. Would you like to listen? Mm -hmm. And I always tell everybody, you be the judge. (laughs)
1: Now, Mark, let me ask you, because I know each one of you have your own particular function, and you say tech guy, but we don't want to discount people when they come to an investigation. Each person has their own integral part of what they do or what part they play in it. Uh, As Damon stated earlier in our conversation, observation must be done on all levels in order to try to, if you will, for lack of a better term, uh, cover all bets. We want to use both the eyes, ears. We want to listen. We want to observe and take notes of anything. Power sources. Obviously, we're in the woods, pretty fairly deep in the woods, so we don't have quite that problem. But we still want to also incorporate some of the different electronic devices to try to uh, possibly create a, a, a an environment in which we can at least have an opportunity to 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 get this. So, Mark, what are you going to do for us today?
2: Uh, I record video, and um, you watch it, and it's it's kind of like uh like a memory check for things. You know, you can go back and you can rewatch it and see things that you missed. I mean, I've caught three, four five orbs now, like moving orbs that you've seen. And, uh, you know, you don't always see those with your eyes. So sometimes you got to go back through and and rewatch
1: everything and just check it all out. Thank you. Now, let me ask you this, fellas, as a group, uh, how many times would you say you've you've been to this location in the past?
0: I would say a fair estimate, let's say five times for sure we've been here. and That's five official investigations. Spot time of the day, deciding just to run around and do something. We've probably been here 10 times, but five times where we fully investigated the area.
1: Now with those five times, have you actually had the detectors go off or have you actually had what you feel or what you believe to be some type of interface with the uh, the supernatural?
0: Well, I would like to say is, is that if the place doesn't yield activity, it's not likely that we're going to be back. And the fact is, is that We always come back out here because there's always another question asked when we leave. So that's why it always seems to be a place that will always, it's like a proving ground almost. It always wants more of us, and we always are willing to step up to the challenges, so to speak. So, yeah, every time we've been out here, it seems to be that something has happened that has triggered our interest to make us return.
1: Do you feel, in your opinion, gentlemen, that this area, because of this horrific event that took here, has a higher probability perhaps than other areas to to obtain that information that you're seeking
0: almost definitely you know one thing that i think of a lot in this circumstances is just like you know it's good energy and bad energy when you look at it if you're in a if you're in a very positive environment That seems to wear off on you and that can leave an effect on you. It can leave an effect on you for whole life. Look at somebody's upbringing. It could really change you. But in the same sense, this was an area that was impacted by negative energy and it was a burst. It was an expression of such negative energy. Uh, I liken it to like a Gettysburg or somewhere like that where there's so much energy of a tragic situation and it's so quick. For a life to be snuffed out that quickly, for senselessness, it really does, it leaves an impact on the area.
1: I have to agree in some of the things that I've encountered over 26 years that that does often, folks, seem to be the fact. Areas sometimes in some manner perhaps record these deeds that are done. Well, Mark, uh, Fred, and Damon, let's go a little further in here and see if you can find something for our listeners and viewers today, okay? Now, ladies and gentlemen, where we're stepping is on a huge moss-covered rock. On the top of the rock, it has the date that it's actually chiseled into the stone, into the sediment. Of course, it's reflecting the date of the incident. And it says S-U-S and C-A-T-H. Obviously, the names of the children, uh Susie, Catherine, uh, and then Tina, and then um also... What
0: we've gotten from this is, what we have gauged over time is that the Betsy that's often familiarized is that they call Betsy was a nickname for Elizabeth. Elizabeth. So the Bets comes from the Beth, and it's just kind of a play on. But Elizabeth is what we gauged to be her right name.
1: I tell you, this rock is of considerable size. And in a moment here, we're going to look at some of the devices themselves
0: this right here is um this is just a little party light we got at our wedding we mm. we made these centerpieces <laughs> but the craziest thing is as you can see tony you have to turn that to make it come on right, right. but we found in many locations we'll just leave that set and ask something to turn it on for whatever reason it turns on from time to time it's really odd we've checked the springs in them we tried to we debunked anything that could be with it other than it just happens and when we come over to it like i said we'll come over to it and we'll have to turn it all the way back off so like i said i'll set it up and let it sit there but what i'm going to do is something that we like to do when we're trying to see what's going on is i'm going to actually record with my recorder we're going to do a burst session evp which means that we're going to record for a couple minutes ask a few questions try to trigger some things with our different pieces of equipment and we'll listen to it on spot to see if we're getting any kind of of activity, so with that being said, I'm just gonna start it out here, just like I would if it was just us. So here we are, EVP session. We are at Crows Rock. I have myself. We have Fred. We have Mark. We're here with Tony and Kevin. If there is anybody here that would like to talk to us, now is your time. So is there anybody here with us? Nope, camera. Thank you. All right. And you always want to leave a few seconds in between because you don't. You want to make sure that you're not cutting them off. Is there? A man here with us?
1: Questions are often asked by one investigator at a time, with a slight delay.
0: Are there any females here with us? Can you tell us how many of us are here? Note plain. Did you die here? Are you still alive? All right. And that's where we're going to break on that one. So basically what I do there is, is I go through a series of questions and first you you hear the very similar, the simple common questions that would ask, is there anyone here? Is there a man here? Is there a woman here? But then I do ask some weird questions. Like sometimes, like I, I asked towards the end there, I said, are you alive? And a lot of times we've found that sometimes when there's such sudden impact of a situation like this, they're not aware that they have passed on. And that's, they're stuck in this tragic situation and you go, are you alive? And then You get yes, and then you go, well, okay, that's not possible. And then you have to work through that. Also, there's other times where I ask, are you alive? Are you dead? And if I get no to both of those, then I got to ask, are you immortal? You know, those kind of questions come about. And a lot of times that's where it gets spooky, and a lot of people get afraid to uh, ask the questions. But, you know, that's where where we got to ask. You know, I, I have to be open to all possibilities when I'm out here. There's no guarantee that what I'm dealing with is you know privy to this location but for the most part what we've encountered we believe is just to this location so what we'll do now is we're going to run back that minute and 45 seconds to see if we heard anything on that recording so here we are evp session we are at crow's rock i have myself we have Fred, we have mark we're here with tony and kevin if there is anybody here that would like to talk to us now is your time so is there anybody here with us Can you tell us how many of us are here? No plane. And that's why we note things, because I just heard that plane at first, and I was like, what was that? Did you But then here? we noted that, so...
1: At one point, have you ever had anything show up on the film from this area, um, like an apparition or perhaps something that looked rather odd?
0: Oh, most definitely. Um, there are some of our... Uh, some of our early pictures that you can find on our page of where we came out here and we were, we were snapping some photos. And I'm, I'm a firm believer a lot of times people say orbs, that they're dust. But there were some pictures that they're kind of, I would say they're similar to orbs. They're just like balls of light. But the depiction of what's inside of these balls of light, it's really weird. Some of them, I mean, I know you hear it a lot. You can see a face in some of them. And a lot of times, you know, there is a lot of discredit to them. I mean, personally, they're definitely an unknown for me. I can't explain why we're sitting here and the, the, it's calm. There was, after many reviews and many people viewing them, it's, it's a very interesting piece of evidence. They're compelling for sure.
1: Let me ask you this, Fred. I'm going to come over to you. You said you've taken some yourself. You see a, a face or what you believe to be uh, a face. Sometimes I realize uh, some people uh, who may be skeptical um, often refer to the the process of uh, pareidolia um, or seeing things or something, the mind seeing something that isn't quite there. But let me ask you this. You said that you've seen it here before in other places. What is your take on that? Well, I mean,
3: orbs or like Damon said, they're, they're really, really weird. Weird. Um, you really can't explain it. You know, some people say you know it's 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 a ball of energy. They say it's the spirit. You know, once we you know got a few pictures and uh, you know I was able to get it on the computer. I was actually able to blow it up. And then of course you know, that's when you know I pulled Damon over and I'm like, man, look at this. I'm like, you can see a face inside the orb. And like, do you see it? And he's like, yes. And of course I get everybody else's take on it. So I don't think that I'm seeing things, you know, you know, it was something really weird. You know, we really can't quite explain what it is, but
0: yeah, most definitely, man, hundred percent. We definitely saw a face and in the picture. That's like one of those things too. You know, we take like orbs and stuff like that into account because th- there's so much skepticism behind them. But over time, like, I don't know, I'd say in a course of an investigation, I'll sit there and there will be 30, 40 pictures. I'll just throw out and go, that's dust with it. It's, it's picking through. Every once in a while, you'll find one, and it's like, okay, I've seen thousands of pictures of dust millers mites. I, I've seen the differences. I know that there's there's something behind this. There there's gotta be. There's you know I've seen the bugs. We we've seen it. You almost want to say you've seen it all, but once you do it for so long, you can pick through and decipher. Okay, you know, because there's times where we'll have doubt, and that's one thing that if we have doubt on it, and we can't come to a conclusion. We don't use it. It won't be, it's not published. That's not us. But if we post something, it's within a shadow of a doubt. We, you know, it's like um, a previous instance, we had a light anomaly. I can't explain it. I can tell you one thing. I've seen the rope rope light
1: anomaly. It's something that's very common. You know, it's something. Can you explain that for our listeners a little better? A rope light anomaly. Uh, how how does that come into effect?
0: So a rope light anomaly is kind of like an orb. It's a flash of energy that you see. It's segmented. It kind of looks like, uh, for the lack of better terms, of a chain. And um, what it looks like is just this flash of light, and it's a chain there. It can be created. I will tell you right now. If you want to see what one looks like for your own personal image where you're sitting at wherever you're at, at home if you're ever around like christmas lights or like cabana lights and you run your camera and you click a photo really quick while you're moving your phone you can mimic that what i when i look for those is when i'm in a dark room and it's in an abandoned like an abandoned schoolhouse that we did and i'm taking a photo and there's no energy to this building and i'm in the middle of a room and i see a light curling in the air you know that's something that just really baffles you cuz you're like was that just a burst of energy in the room? Or how, how did that come about? And you know, and you do break it down. It's like, well, it couldn't have been a bug because the bug wouldn't have had a trail like that. And it, it's crazy. It's really something special when you capture something like that. It's something that I, it's, a, it's something I really look forward to every once in a while. That's, those though, are very few and far between. You get something like that. But we've had it happen and it's a very interesting experience.
1: Let me ask you this, gentlemen. I, I, as we stand here on the rock and I'm overlooking the, the bluff here, uh, I noticed the creek babbling there, the Wheeling Creek. Uh, often people feel that these sort of things, these, these uh, sometimes ghosts, energy entities, that they sometimes uh, seem to be found by water or are close to water, or sometimes cemeteries. Uh, Fred, Mark, uh, what do you feel about that? Uh, that theory that sometimes uh, water Cemeteries have something to do with these things. I mean, it, it's definitely possible. Uh, we try not to discredit anything at all.
2: I mean, there's a few things, but you know, a water can carry electrical currents through it, and these things tend to feed off of that kind of stuff. So,
1: thank you. What do you, Fred? What, what do you
2: believe that I mean, could be? Uh, I
3: kind of, I kind of agree with Mark. But you know, mean, you think of you know basic electricity, and is water a conductor? Yes, it is. So you know, spirits, energy, water conducting could amplify. A spirit or energy to help manifest or create. Yep, yeah. Just like you know, whenever you know paranormal investigators are out, and I'm sure everybody's seen it. Like, you know, you're hearing like, oh, they're draining my battery. You know, well, this could be another way for them to, to harness energy. They're using the water to do that.
1: I know a lot of paranormal investigators that I've been out with the uh, OPIT of Ohio uh, Paranormal Investigation Team, uh, Becky in Cripple Creek, uh, Still City Paranormal, a ghost and That. Uh, you folks, I know for one thing, uh, you guys go through a lot of batteries. Do you not?
3: Yes, yes, we do. We go through a lot of batteries. Good tax write-off if we need. <laughs>
1: Okay, let's step over here. I know the men are looking at some of the recorders. I'm going to go back over here carefully. What happened
0: was, which happens a lot, we were sitting there, y'all were talking, and I started recording, and I noticed that the K2 meter had went off. Mm -hmm. Kevin was walking away. So I just had instinct, you know, I just have that, I think it's a leadership thing inside of me. I watched because we were all looking that way. Kevin was walking back there by himself. And I just had the presence about me to be like, I just came over here and I was like, are you watching Kevin? And I just, I had that gut feeling that when Kevin was walking over, it was kind of like they were singling him out because he was by himself. So that's what I did. I jumped up and turned around and it was like, I don't know. It was like an energy burst. It was like, oh, you caught me. Like you you cut me off. You caught me. Now what do I do? And it was just, it was a weird thing. I literally started running EVP as it was happening. Cause I always have my constant recording going, but it was just like a little burst thing. I was like, Huh, you know, it was just it's that instinct that you go off. It's that thing we talked about earlier, you know, it's just really it's something that you go off of feel. So what I'm going to do here now is I'm going to stop that one and we'll run it back here and see if we get anything.
1: What we're currently doing is listening carefully to the replay of the tapes. The team is looking for any type of fluctuation or change or alternative sound while they're recording on the devices.
0: Okay, so I want to listen back here. I'm going to cut back. Right before you start talking, I hear a brief something or other. It's right there. Okay, so there's definitely something that we'll go back. I'm going to mark that so for myself. It's around a minute on our recording. But there's something very briefly before he says something to me. And I don't know what he says. Or what's being said there, but there's definitely a clear undertone of something that's not one of us speaking to each other, because that's one thing.
1: That so we're what we're talking about. is an alternative sound All coming from things. not any of the human beings standing here, but an alternative sound on the tape.
0: Yes, uh, and a thing that we'll do is, is when we go back to review this, there's a couple ways that we we check ourselves. One of which is, is that. For the best, best of our knowledge, we always try to speak loudly and clear, so that way we know it's us on a recording. No but another thing that we do is is that we put this on what is uh, our, the the program I use is called Audacity. It'll pull up our audio, just like on a graph bar like you would any other audio graph. And when it pulls it up, it'll tell us our frequency, the human frequency, and it picks up different things. We can know what things are. When we have an unknown frequency and we have a voice to that, that's what we usually consider to be something paranormal. Because if it's not picking it up as a frequency, but we're hearing it, there's got to be some reason that we're hearing it. So it's something very interesting that we've we've found many, many times on uh, recordings is, is that Usually when you have a really good, what they like to say, Class A EVP, it won't even be recognizable on the graph.
1: I have to ask you, gentlemen, because I I see all the devices laid out here um, on, on the rock itself. The fact that they're in proximity to one another, they won't give a false positive or anything.
0: One, one thing the that... We, one Cell phone is the only thing that'll fluke these. One thing we like to do is, is before every investigation, so we'll restart this just for the sake of doing this, we'll take this and we'll run it over every piece of equipment we have. Who knows? Something funny might be happening in this and it might be a default that it affects it after having it for five years. You never know. Something crazy sure. could happen. Sure. So what we do is we run it over all of the equipment that we're using and when we do that, Especially with these two. These are the two that it would really affect. When you run it over, these are the most sensitive for Mm -hmm. measuring fields. And when we do that, as you see, you don't get a reading. So that's how we check that. I had a, had a friend that did tours in Gettysburg years ago and he said a lot of times people get in trouble because if they weren't having activity they would pull their cell phones out. K2 meters will pick up a cell phone. Yeah. So when you you need to try your best to not have your cell phone on you or if you're having K2 spikes, first thing you need to check to see if it's a cell phone. Because yeah. there's a lot of times people use their cell phone for investigating. They use them for different camera features. Yeah. But Like I said, you gotta make sure. Sometimes your cell phone might trigger that K2 meter. I mean it's just it's a field, it resonates off of it. So you gotta watch that, especially if you're in a closed in room and you got three guys with a cell phone, you're having a crazy K2 session. Well chances are it's triangulating the signal and it's putting it on that K two meter. So that's something you have to watch. But it is a very good eye that you had that. But yeah, all of our equipment sitting together. That's one thing that we do like to do is make sure that nothing can make no piece of equipment can make another piece go off.
1: Always wanna do that, folks. If you if you find that you would like to Become your own junior investigator into the paranormal. Um, procedures must always be put in place and followed almost religiously. Uh, The reason being is that um, there's danger involved, and two, it could lead you to erroneous conclusions and false conclusions. Uh, So we always want to put the same procedures in place, and that also allows itself to be a better documentation uh, for future use. Uh, anything yet gentlemen i believe you look it seems to me you're you're uh, working with your flashlight there
0: a lot of times when doing paranormal investigating you take pieces of equipment that are used for one purpose break them and turn them into something else what i'm doing right now is essentially turning this flashlight into a touch light and if this one's not working up to standards i will pull the other one out of my pocket which i got this one down to the side so just need
1: to get it right. There we go.
0: I just want to get this right here. There we go. That's good to go.
1: Now as he laid this down, I will tell you folks, the flashlight on? happens to be coming on. Now now Damon just has placed it on the surface of the rock. I'm gonna reset this. And he's going to apply to reset it again. What he's doing in procedure is simply this uh, I believe it's a mag light style of light, uh, five or six LED bulb head. Uh, and he's just simply twisting the top in a manner uh, to shut the device off. But as he basically laid it, have
0: to turn it basically. What I'm doing is, is making it to where for the mag light to come on, the button is pushed, but they have to turn the mag light on, so something would have to come up. And as you see, you have to apply pressure and move it, right? So for that to come on. Something had to apply pressure. So what I'm going to do is set an additional mag light right here. As you see, if you touch it, it'll light up. So, you've already used our lights. Can you do that again? If you could light up one of our lights, I would be thankful. You already lit up the black light. Can you light up our blue light?
1: Currently, it is sitting there. It is not lit.
0: If there's somebody here with us, can you turn one of our lights on? Any of our lights here?
1: At this time, there is no lights coming on. The light, the flashlight, it's very quiet. The Gauss meter and uh, K2 have not moved. Oh, the black light has Uh, come on. But I may have bumped it. He may have bumped it. Let's hold on here one moment. Okay. We reset it. Okay. Can we do
0: that again? Can you turn it back on? If that was you, turn it on. I'm giving you a chance here. I'll tell you an interesting story while we're sitting here waiting for the lights to come on. We were on an investigation here one time one of our investigators, their ponytail, they were standing over by that tree. He's a obviously gentleman's about six foot seven so he was a big dude and he was standing up against that tree and i'm standing there i'm watching and his ponytail slowly started to look like it was being lifted and the gentleman turns around and screams what the heck was that and we're like what do you mean he said and i i caught it and i was like he's like something grabbed my ponytail i was like no and Meanwhile, i had started to see it and he was, he was freaked out. I mean, it was, it was wild. It was something like, it was one of those personal experiences that, yeah, we didn't catch it on camera, but the people that were here were like, oh my goodness, that was wild. So back to, back to what we were doing here. We asked you to turn our lights on. We'll, we'll play a game. If you can turn our lights on. We'll switch it up. We'll do something else. We'll 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 give you a better platform to talk on. So if you can turn any of these lights on, be it the colorful lights or the black or blue light, we will give you a chance to talk to us through a very special piece of equipment.
1: As of yet, no lights have come on.
0: Do you like do you like the black light more than the blue light? How about we put the black light next to the blue light? So I'll pull that over here and take the pressure off of it. Applied pressure. There we go. Can you turn either light on now? It'd take a little bit more out of you to turn that black one on now, but I really wanna see you turn it on again. I want you to prove that you can turn these lights on for me. If you even flick that light, I'll be happy. Alrighty, well, what we're gonna try now is a specialty of Fred's. We're gonna do a spirit box session. So what we're gonna do is a spirit box is like he mentioned earlier. It's just this little device here hooked up to a speaker. It's basically a radio, but it scans radio frequencies at a very high rate. So what happens here is, is we're gonna listen. And if a, if a spirit comes through, we'll hear it over a course of many stations, as he said. So we'll get power connected. And this is loud, just so you know. Once I start sweeping, you'll hear it and you're gonna be like, oh, but here we go. So we'll be able to hear better. There we go, all right. Is there anybody here that would like to speak to us? If there is anybody here, can you speak into this device? Can you tell me what your name is? Can you tell me how many of us are here? Did you play with any of our equipment? Do you remember us from any previous times that we have been here? All right, so what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna sweep in reverse and see if we can pick anything up that way. All right, we're giving you a different platform now. Is there anybody here that would like to speak to us? Are the Crow Sisters here? There's a blip. Was that you? It's so quick. William Spicer, are you here?
1: Yeah.
0: I've never had a feedback like that in my life on this mm-hmm. thing. It's rock, but... it sounds like somebody's like chirping into the device. Oh, like, like, oh, yeah. like that kind of thing. <laughs> Is that you? Well, the weird thing is, is we said we heard a bird and there's a bird again. Okay. Just follow me on my rabbit trail here. (laughs) Well, we do this. This is how we brainstorm. Native Americans, right? Right. I met some of the ones that do reenactments that are really good with the bird sounds. We hear them. We hear a bird. Then we hear something whistly kind of through this and then. I'm gonna kill the spirit box for a second. Yeah, I'm Did getting like, yeah, I'm getting, okay. this is the fun part. Like up the yeah, that's anything? what it sounded like. Is there somebody up there? What it sounded like, okay. For the folks at home that are listening, you tune yourself into this place so much as many times as we've been here. It just sounded like, it sounded like somebody like the time we were here before. Remember, it sounded like somebody was just kind of like watching and walking. Like they're creeping the line almost. But in our reality, well, you folks seen when we came in, it would be a heck of a hike to try to walk that out.
1: I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's about a four or five degree pitch on this hillside. <laughs> it would be quite, quite a feat for anybody to go up through and down through the uh, the forest at this point. There's much, uh, much as far as leaves and debris uh, on the ground.
0: Is there anybody here with us right now? I really feel like you have a sense. I don't know. It's kind of like it's that cat and mouse game that I was telling you about. You get that like, okay, we had some activity when we first got here. Then it seemed to wind down. Then we had a little bit of a, a little bit of something going on, and then it backed up. It's almost as if it's like doing the runaround game, like it's, <laughs> and then you're going, is it wildlife or what am I seeing? You know. Are
2: there sort of known reasons why there wouldn't be sort of presentations or manifestations? I mean, is it like a are there like commonalities why things don't show up or appear or? Well
0: it, there's a lot of different reasons. I will say this is that we are out here during the daytime, and i won't I'm one of those people. You can ghost hunt any time of day. that has no barring on your results. The only reason why ghost hunting is looked at so far in the evening is light shows better at night. and so if something is emanating light, it could be that there is we could be there could be an operation over there that is lit, but being that we're here it would be more of a haze to try to see something being that it's it's not darkened around it. You see what I'm saying? If it's a faint light, you're not going to see a faint light in the daytime. But in evening, if there's a faint light showing through, there might be a chance to see that better.
1: At any time, do you ever feel when you're here uneasy feelings or or feelings of apprehension sometimes people do mention things
0: yeah I will I will I will tell you that um I do I do sense I do get a sense of an uneasy feeling and actually as you were talking about it right as you were mentioning it before you said it we make eye contact a lot when something's not right and he gave me he's
1: he's saying Damon is referring to Fred Tennant who's standing across from him and
0: he knew because I started to It almost like you feel it up your spine and I looked over at him and he looked over at me at the same time it's almost as if it knows we're talking about it. Whatever's here knows we're talking about it. And yes, we have had many instances in the past where we were here and we had uneasy feelings. I
1: mean. And let me ask you this. Uh, Fred, I'll, I'll point this question to you. How long do you guys stay here sometimes when you're doing it?
3: Well, um, I think the last time we was here for a good three, maybe four hours in the evening. And uh, yeah, we we was here one time. It was it was so foggy and we couldn't barely see anything. But still, yeah, we, we refused to leave. And you know, when you're here, you get to, you get the, the feeling like uh, there's nothing here, and then, you know, you, your feelings will change. You'll start to look around. you look at your surroundings, and then um, it'll compel you to want to stay. And then, of course, you know, as you're staying, you know, if luck has it, you might catch something. You might experience something, and then uh, that's one of the things I, I long for and I hope for, you know, and uh, being an investigator, you know, and then, of course, the, the fog, of course, it was pretty dramatic. We really couldn't see a whole lot, but we were having that uneasy feeling because you can't see, everything's enclosed, you get the different feelings. So you react to that. And of course, you know, we set the equipment out and go from there.
1: I think folks, for those who don't do this at all, but are curious, um, a lot of teams, I, I got to tell you, when-, when you're working in the dark or you're working with the unknown, or you find yourself crawling around basements or old homes that could be haunted, or even here along the roadside in the middle of the woods, secluded and remote from anything. You have to always remember, before you start, there's a sense that you have to almost calm your nerves for what you're doing. A lot of different uh, members of groups often tell us that again and again, that you almost have to have the ability to stay alert, but at the same time, remove your personal fears or anxieties of places because often paranormal hunters go into places that most people would rather not be to begin with.
0: You know, a lot of times when people ask us about paranormal investigating, the one thing I ask somebody, what is your biggest fear in life? And there is the common answer amongst everyone. Honestly, if you honestly think about it, the number one fear amongst human beings is death because it's the unknown you can you can think uh, if you give people time to think about it they're going to say i'm afraid of spiders i'm afraid of heights when you really break it down nobody wants to die so that's the first thing that i tell people when you are going into this field is is that your apprehension or your fear from the unknown the supernatural risk retention you're most likely not going to die when you're out here so you gotta you gotta keep that you got to keep that fresh in your mind. It's not common to run into something that's going to physically harm you. It's a, it's a special case to have that happen. But you have to be prepared for that. So when you're mentioning the fear, yeah, there is a very, there's a very keen set of, uh, I, I put myself in my game face, so I get ready to go, and that is something that you have to do. You have to be able to mentally make yourself ready For whatever you're going to face, because we could come out here and experience absolutely nothing or we could come out here and experience something terrifying. You never know what you're going to run into.
1: Have you gentlemen ever found yourself in a situation uh, through your years of doing this where you felt that you were in mortal danger of of something, perhaps encountering a demon or, or something of that nature?
0: When thinking back over the course of time that we spent together, I have felt fear that I would be physically harmed, but on my own belief system, I don't believe that this is anything out there is able to take my life. But I very I, I very well believe that it can make me very sick. It could hurt me very bad. That is that is a very real option. So yes, I do I have had apprehension before about stirring the pot in situations to where, hey, you know what? I don't want this harm to be brought upon myself or hey, you know what, there's a big common question. I don't want it following me home. No matter what, if you go out on an investigation, I tell people this all the time, whether you're a spectator at like an event or you're going out paranormal investigating on your own, there's always a chance something's going to follow you home. I mean, I'm a man of faith. What's going to happen is going to happen. There's no prevention. You can tell it not to follow you home, but it doesn't mean that it's going to.
1: Mm. Often I find that um, when some of the other groups that I've been associated with uh, over the years, uh, when they get to these places, if they feel a a certain amount, a degree of uncomfortability or threat, uh, I know people also sometimes carry totems with them or they uh, say prayers or sometimes use salt or holy water. Do you ever incorporate those things?
0: Well, I will tell you, uh, what I personally do for myself is, is I spend... On my personal account, I spend a lot of time in prayer before I do an investigation. That's for me, personally. We're comprised of a group of different individuals with different beliefs. And I tell people all the time, whatever you feel, you need to be in touch with whatever that is. Because at the end of the day, when we're out here, we're all searching for the same thing. And you better be prepared for it. Everyone has their good luck talismans. Everyone has has something that they carry along with them or something they do. Something that I've done since day one. Is I don't care how much scripture that I know in my mind. I have some form of a Bible with me, whether it's my phone or I have a physical Bible with me. I've done it for years. It's not even a noticeable thing. I know that my buddy over there, Fred, he's carried different talismans with him throughout the day. He had he's had pendants that he's just felt like were good luck charms. Mark carries a
1: lighter. Yeah. What about you, Mark? What do you carry? I, I carry. I,
2: like I, I carry a baby blue lighter with me on every investigation. That's, true, that's, <laughs> that's <true>. it. That's it. <laughs> but you
1: know what? What does that signify? It's just it's
2: it's comfort you know and it's stability it's something that i know is there and will be there you know yeah that's it
3: well i actually got i got salt and sage in my bag so just just in case uh, never had to use it never felt compelled to use it but always felt it was just to be safe just to have it with me you know cuz they said salt cleanses and sage purifies
0: yes another thing that is a commonality between myself and mark and uh, we all have a tattoo that we share it's a symbol of brotherhood essentially and it's just something that we have that if i look down i know it's there and it's something that i think to calm down when i look at it in a stressful situation you know and it's something that's always going to be there it's a part of me it's always there it's always there as a it's a memory that i know that it's there and i can calm down in a situation when
1: it gets stressful it's your lifeline back essentially
0: yeah for the gentlemen who have it it's in the same location
1: Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate all the information that we obtained from Outsider Paranormal. And Damon, Fred, Mark, you guys have been very, uh, very, uh, well, you've been fantastic. I'll say that and very informative with all the information you shared. And thank you for coming out and bringing us to this place and allowing us and our listeners to be a part of your team, your family for a day. As I stand here lamenting about the things that had happened here 160 years ago and as we gather around this rock I can't help wonder what it must have been for those poor unfortunate souls. You can almost feel it in the air rustling amongst the leaves and the trees of this place. This has been your host Tony LaVorna for Tony LaVorna's legends and lore podcast if you like what you've heard be sure to like rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app you are listening to a production of the social voice project So as I sit here, thinking back 160 years, uh, what did I say? Sit. Oh, I'm used to sit. Uh, take two. Uh, take two. I do that all the time. <laughs> take two. In fact, I think I even said tape. You can tell how old I am. I said tape. It is recorded. They don't even use tape anymore. Uh, three, two, one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, while I sit here, I would like to think. <laughs> I say it again? Sit here. Okay, take five. <laughs> as I sit here lament, As I stand here lamenting about the things that had happened here 160 years ago, and I'm standing here.